Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher and superpowered cheerleader, princess, warrior, and target of an evil ninja law firm, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert and all-seeing powerful whatchamahoosit, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 4, Episodes 3 and 4, The House Always Wins, which is a skipper, and Slouching Toward Bethlehem, which is a watcher. All right, we're going to be dead if we don't get our fannies out of Dodge, so let's raise the stakes. In The House Always Wins, Angel, Gunn, and Fred decide to take a trip to Vegas to have Lorne read Angel. When they get there, they go see Lorne's big show, and he's a hit, but he pretends he doesn't know them. Turns out, Lorne's being held captive by the evil Lee DeMarco, who collects people's destinies. Lorne chooses people to sing during the show, he reads them, and he points the ones with big destinies out to DeMarco. Then they're given a magical token and a chance to win a million dollars. The token steals their destinies and they basically shut down, losing all will to do anything other than feed quarters into a machine. While Fred and Gunn sneak into Lauren's dressing room to find out what's going on, Angel busts into the back room where the destinies are collected and DeMarco tosses him a coin, stealing his destiny as well. Gunn and Fred try to escape with Angel and Lauren, but Angel's not going anywhere. He just sits at the slot machines, feeding the quarters. Meanwhile, Cordelia is sitting on a cloud yelling at Angel to get her out of there, but as she realizes what's going on, she manipulates the machine to give Angel a big win, which causes DeMarco to pull him into the back room where he's got a bunch of goons holding Fred, Gunn, and Lorne. Angel miraculously retrieves his will to fight, and Lorne sees a big glowy magical ball and smashes it, returning destinies and wills to the people they were stolen from. They go home, and just as Angel's asking the same question we're all asking, how was he magically able to get his free will back? They go into the Hyperion to find Cordy standing there, but she doesn't know who they are or who she is. The House Always Wins aired on October 20th, 2002. It was directed by Marina Grabach and written by David Fury. All right. Dr. Jones, (laughs) I have to ask you this question, Um, although I'm not sure that anybody really wants the answer from either of us, but on the perfect happiness scale... With uh, Stake This at zero and Lost Your Soul at six, about where do you land with this one? <laughs> so I gave it a two because... Ooh, the very epi- generous. Yeah, very... I was in a generous mood. Um, <laughs> the episode itself got one point, mm. but I added another point for Phone Sex with Wesley and <laughs> the Lawrence Big Stage performance <laughs> because, you know, that's just how I roll. <laughs> well, I gave it a one. Uh-huh. I hate this episode. This is a terrible episode. <laughs> the, the fun run to Vegas. Angel talking about all the famous people he knew during the 60s when he was apparently living large, despite everything we know about his actual history. The stupid destiny stealing plot that makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, it is all terrible. I did love Lauren's performance. And I have to say, Wesley having phone sex with Lila was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, 1.5. But still generosity baby (laughs) it's pretty bad it's pretty bad all right i'm going to start with moments of perfect happiness because Mm -hmm. um we try to start with the positive here and this is going to (laughs) be this is going to be a tough um season i think and i hate i hate ripping stuff apart like i hate you know when all i have to say is bad stuff so let me start moments perfect happiness and just like move right out there with the bright side uh wesley Right. Mm-hmm. I love I love Wesley running this game from his living room. I love that there's a guy in there when he starts having phone sex with Lila. Oh, yeah. I love that he's stealing Angel's clients. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's 
He's like, Angel's out of town? Yeah, I'll take his clients. That's fine, you know. Um, so it was really fun, but of course has absolutely nothing to do with any of the rest of the narrative. We get one scene from Wesley and like, that's it. And so I'm guessing it's this like a series regular has a contract kind of scene <laughs> because Wesley has absolutely no role in this story whatsoever. But the scene itself, the, I don't know, 45 seconds of that scene. <laughs> are delightful and I really do enjoy them. Um, the other thing in my moments of perfect happiness is Lorne, you mm -hmm. know, because while the whole storyline is stupid bullshit, Lorne is, you know, as usual, delightful, right? Yeah. Um, I love Lorne with his dropping the hints about Fluffy, you know, and then he's like, Fluffy, the dog you don't have, the universal code for I'm being held prisoner. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's a conversation you should have had before you left. Lorne. Yes. I mean, it's, it's really important that you establish your safe word before you need your safe word. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The rules for this are very simple. You got to have that discussion before you leave. Um, but it was pretty cute. And then he's like, suffice it to say we're dead if we don't get our fannies out of Dodge. And I'm like, oh, it's so nice to have Lauren back. Yeah. Giving us these fun quotes, giving us good stuff to do. Um, so uh, unfortunately, out of 45 minutes of episode, those, I don't know, 60 to 90 seconds were <laughs> all I had. <laughs> well, I had a, a couple more with Lauren. Yeah. Um, and I loved it when they pulled up and the Tropicana had that huge sign and they called mm -hmm. Lorne the green velvet fog. So mm -hmm. this is a shout out to Mel Torme, which I thought was really great. There you go. And I did gain even more appreciation for Lorne in this episode mm -hmm. because, you know, Lee is awful and I hate seeing Lorne trapped and used this way. Yeah. But it was interesting, sort of, I mean, not in this plot mm -hmm. but the idea of how Lauren's powers could be used if they fell into the wrong hands sure was mm -hmm. interesting and I appreciate him even more because he never uses his own knowledge for personal gain like this mm -hmm. yeah so no I, I was trying really hard to be bright sided no no I think he did really well and it was really fun to see a couple of the guest stars like we had Clayton Roner as the bad mm -hmm. guy and um so you may not like everybody else may not remember him but he very specifically showed up in things that like meant a lot to me like um there was this 1980s teen romantic comedy called Just One of the Guys mm -hmm. um and I'm sure if I watch it again now I would be like well that's highly questionable um you know <laughs> but it's it's one of these like you know the girl goes undercover as a guy and then of course falls in love with a guy and then the guy falls in love with her but he's not gay so it's this whole you know it's weird um but anyway so it's a it's one of those and I really loved that when I was in high school and so I was like oh my god that's the guy and um I remember him also showing up in an episode of the X-Files called The Rain King oh. um and I loved him in that too and I thought that he was really great so it was kind of fun for me I'm probably the only person like in the world who actually you know recognizes Clayton Ronner and I'm like oh that's Thing, uh, you know. um, but I do, I do, Ronner, Mr. Ronner, I see you. Um, and uh, Brittany Ishibashi as Vivian. Now, Brittany Ishibashi is um, one of these uh, actresses who shows up absolutely everywhere, you mm -hmm. know. And after a while, you, you know, you're like, oh my God, it's that girl, you know. But she'll do like a couple episodes here. She's in like The Office, Supernatural, Desperate Housewives, Parenthood, Bones, uh, This Is Us, Gracie and Frankie. And that's just like a handful of her credits. She's yeah. In everything. I Nice her from Supernatural. Yeah, so she was Vivian who got her destiny stolen. Um, and it was really fun to see her. I like her a lot. So that was actually a good thing. Um, I actually didn't hate 
Connor as much. And I guess that we can put that into, since we're stretching for the positive <laughs> things to say about this episode. Um, I, I like that opening. And again, it's like, oh, series regular has a contract. Like, you've got to put a scene in with them. Um, in the opening, when Angel is watching Connor and Connor, mm-hmm. you know, slams the vamp and the vamp goes, who are you? Or what are you? And Connor says, don't know yet. And I yeah. like, I love identity stories. Those are kind of fun. I like that he's fighting for good. He's fighting vampires. He's out in the streets, you know, yeah. doing good, I guess. Yeah, yeah, when he said, don't know yet, I put in yeah. my notes. I was like, oh, Connor actually has one good line. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was stretching. Like stretching for generosity. <laughs> yes, looking very, very hard for something. But um, now we're going to go ahead and get to uh, stake this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing is... Las Vegas, um, which I have absolutely no patience for. Um, Okay, I hate everything about Las Vegas. There's also something like there's something weird about like episodes that go on a trip. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're going to go to a new location. And, you know, for some shows, I think you can have like, you know, the Brady Bunch went to Hawaii and that was fine. Like, whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. I mean, I guess that's OK. Um, but for for a show like this, like the fact that they're in Los Angeles, Los Angeles is a huge part of what this show is. And you take them outside of that setting. And it's instantly like weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hate Angel as vampire Forrest Gump, who apparently <laughs> just comes across famous people like this, like this historical tourism thing, you know. Um, he knows everyone. He knows the Rat Pack. He knows Sammy Davis Jr. He knows all of them. He went to Elvis and Priscilla's wedding, right? All of this stuff. But let's take a look at this, right? He gets his soul in the late 1890s, right? And according to Whistler and Becoming, he was alone for 90 years, right? Right. Um, and we saw how he sort of lived in the world a little bit like in the 50s in Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? But at the end of that, he abandoned humanity and just left. Now, I guess, you know, it is possible that he went to Las Vegas from there and got money at a job because if he's not stealing from killing from people and stealing from them then he unlike other vampires actually has to get a job to pay for all of this traveling that he does you know um and then hung out with incredibly famous people in las vegas for a while and then in the 1990s by the time whistler finds him he's living in alleys eating rats so like what is that transition? Like, it felt weird enough to me that in the 50s, he was living in a hotel and kind of being around people, you know, yeah. in Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? But at the end of that, those people, like, you know, hung him and left him to die. And then he left them to die. And that seems like the end of that could be the beginning of his further isolation that would lead him to living in an alley and eating rats, you know? Um, so I guess I don't understand... Any of that. And I probably should have put that in research questions. But no, it's, it's just it, weird. It really bugged me, too, because it goes against so much of what we know about Angel. You know, if he was drunk and surly enough to be mistaken for the band and brought into <laughs> Elvis's wedding and, you know, he was partying right. with these guys and, like, giving advice to Sammy, you know, and all this. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Really? So maybe after the 50s, he went to Vegas to try to forget about it all. And then, I mean, the 1980s was hard on a lot of people. So maybe he invested really heavily in Betamax. And then that's why we see him living (laughs) off rats in the 90s. But it made no sense. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make sense with his, um, you know, because he was still in this highly tormented space he didn't reconnect with people until Buffy and then Cordelia after coming to Los Angeles so the whole thing seems really weird and I just hated it I hated uh Lauren's expositional dialogue because the thing is we have this okay this guy steals people's destinies and keeps them in a um in a little you know crystal ball or whatever to the purpose of I don't even know Lauren has this huge expositional dialogue and we see all these flashes of what's happening to people in the background because we haven't explained it well enough just in and it's so freaking complicated and it's all terrible and then we have that moment where gun turns on Lauren yeah you know and it's like you're the one who set Angel up you're the one and what is that about? Yeah, Gunn was so fast to write Lorne yeah. off. And I'm like, after everything that Lorne has gone through with this team and done for them, I I don't buy Gunn just turning on yeah. him like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I didn't really understand why Gunn was so anti-Lorne all of a sudden. Right. And it, it really felt uncomfortable to me, like... They were almost presenting this idea that Gunn has never trusted Lorne simply because Lorne's a demon. Right. And we all know better than that. That's not the case. Yeah. Like, they've gotten past that. So, um, yeah, all of it is really, really weird. And um, and it didn't make sense. And it was all, like, jankily written. Like, it just... It was just bad. It was bad. And I mean, Lauren was not drinking a sea breeze. So obviously something was wrong. I know. Like, that's all you have to know. Lauren's doing a shot. (laughs) If he's not doing a sea breeze, we got problems. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it's 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 pretty bad. Um, Then as long as we're talking about bad stuff, I guess we have to talk about the Cordelia stuff. The Cordelia in the cloud. Um, it's pretty terrible. We have Angel, we have the opening where Angel is watching over Connor, right? And then Cordelia is watching over Angel. Um, and it's just so incredibly stupid. I mean, and she has this thing where she says, what's the point of being an all-seeing powerful it if I'm not allowed to intervene? Okay, if you are all-seeing and powerful, what exactly is your power? Do you have the power to tell the powers that be that you really don't want to be there anymore? Because if not, if you're stuck there and you're calling for Angel to come and get you, you are not powerful. You are a prisoner. Yeah. Like that whole thing is so weird and it doesn't make any sense at all. And then she's able to affect the slot machine. So she's able to do something you know, and then she gets, you know, returned back, but without her memory. Um, it's all weird. Yeah, it's it so doesn't make weird. any sense. It's so weird. And her voiceovers to me were so annoying. And, yeah. and then plus, like, so Angel's watching Connor and she's watching Angel watching Connor. And <laughs> I was like, first of all, why is Angel's Irish bro coming out? when he's talking to himself watching Connor like what the hell and then you know Cordelia's waxing on about Connor and she's like yes he has that same lost boy sweetness and I was like yeah and I'm a fire breathing dragon queen like (laughs) lost boy sweetness with Connor he's got a lot of things but that is not one of them Yeah, yeah 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 it was just so weird and then you know she fixes the slot machine and they kick her out and I was like well 
casino security rules are really strict. So, yeah. I don't know, maybe the powers that be have like a contract with luck or something. And so they kick her out. But the memory thing, I can't even. And we will talk about that later. It's so bad. Through the rest of the season, we're going to, you know, get some some weird answers to all of that. But it's like right now, it's just, it's so incredibly strange. And like, if she finally did something, um, then like, if that's what causes her to get kicked out or what like it's just it's all it's all so incredibly weird and then to strip her memory like it's just it's so freaking weird and the powers that be are weird which reminds me this episode of still dead is brought to you by the powers that be.com yes believe it or not even the powers have opened up their own online business and it's all about giving you head cracking visions which they cure by making you a glowy demon with plot convenient superpowers single use only and only maybe will they stop time and kidnap you from your life to lock you up on a cloud for no discernible reason but if they do they promise only to do it if you're in the middle of a really important personal moment because that's just how the ptb Go to thepowersthatbe.com and use the code really followed by three in Terabangs <laughs> to get your discount today. Or instead, you could choose to take the $3 you might spend on vague universal powers that may or may not be actually interested in, you know, good, and give it directly to Chipperish Media instead. Trust us, this is the better deal. Supporting Chipperish Media gets you not only the satisfied feeling of supporting the independent podcasts you love, but you also get access to exclusive content and the Discord chat where you can hang out with Angel fans who are also watching season four it's a rough ride it's good to have friends with you while you take it go to patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more (laughs) okay so in the staking i have to say for one of the first times fred is showing up in my stakings first of all um fred and gun have not learned that angel can hear them when they're talking about him they i mean i can Mm -hmm. understand why they didn't think connor could hear them that time they were on the beach but they're always talking and angel's right there so if angel's within 200 yards if you can see him he can hear you like they've already (laughs) they've already done that you know um and then we have fred in the you know the the lounge girl outfit right the lornette outfit um and i really really hated that um something that outfit like i understand that they're in vegas and they're playing up and the lornettes were all you know dressed in this really exploitative way and in order for her to get in she has to dress up like that so she dresses up like that and then there's not time to change because there's but having her wander around in that outfit the whole time felt so exploitative and weird and i just didn't like it no i didn't like it either and yeah the guards asking fred if she was the pre-show diddle for lorne was disgusting it is disgusting and you know what that insinuates that that's something that lorne does and i don't think that's something that lorne does i don't either i don't either so yeah, I find it um, really, really disgusting. All right, so uh, that's it for my staking, because really, I could stake the whole thing, but we'd be here all day. <laughs> um, did you have anything else to stake in this episode? Um, I think just the entire thing, and, and, and like, I would like to turn all the stakes into a giant bucket of quarters and just stake it over and 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 over again, and then win, you know, $250,000 on a car. Yes, no, I think that that's great. It's I think so that bad. That's the plan. Oh, God, Lonnie, it was so <laughs> oh, bad. God. It's terrible. All right, let's go to research mode. Okay. Um, all right, so Cordy can't communicate with Angel, can't do anything about the cloud she's stuck on, but she can influence a slot machine. 
Like, what is that? And how does that give Angel back his will to help his friends? Like, what the hell is that? I The only thing I could figure is the slot machines were, I guess, rigged. And so when she broke that, it broke part of Lee's power, maybe? I but I, I, I don't know. It makes no sense. I don't know. And the thing is, is that here's the thing. Writers, let me tell you something. When you know you have like a really stupid plot hole, it does not help to have the character call it out. Because while they're walking into the Hyperion, Angel looks at Lauren and says, I don't understand why I suddenly got my free will back magically, you know. And then Lauren (laughs) is like, well, because you saw your friends being hurt. And like, no, no, that's not how magic works. That's not how any of this stuff works. Not how um, monks work. It's not how monks work, exactly, to quote our friend Joshua Unruh. Um, So I don't know, like that I thought was just really, really bad. And it's one of these things that sometimes a writer will do when they know they they have something that's there and they know it's there. So they like acknowledge it within the text so that you acknowledge that it doesn't make any sense. But that does not help. It does not help. All it does is hang a lampshade on it. And that makes your problem worse. (laughs) So it is better to just not if you're not going to explain it. It was just, and you know, let's face it, right? You're a bunch of people. You're putting on a TV show. You've got 22 episodes in a season. That is a lot of damn work. And that is work that has to be done quickly and moved through the chain in order to get it done on time. So like things happen where things maybe are not as perfect as you would like them to be. But I'm just saying all the writers out there, whatever kind of deadline you're on, if you've got something in there that you know doesn't make sense, do not have your your characters call it out textually. That does not help your situation. (laughs) So I just want to let you know, it does not make it better. Um, So then we have Corey. Cordy returned with her memory and there's this sense that she got kicked out mm-hmm. of and I guess like you know it's supposed to be a mystery like how did this happen but since nothing about Cordelia throughout this whole thing has made sense like you can have a mystery if everything makes sense and you know what the reason is but you're just not revealing it to your reader yet and when I say reader anybody who interacts critically with anything is a reader regardless whether you're viewing it or playing a video game or whatever um, so regardless of, of whether the reader knows what's going on um, we need to have a sense that if everything else makes sense that this will also make sense eventually but because nothing with Cordy has made any sense at all this whole time as a reader you don't feel secure trusting them to answer this question adequately or for it to make sense and what that does is just kicks you right out of the world you can't be into what's going on you can't be like oh my god cordy's back and her memory's wiped it's just plot contrivance at this point and um and it doesn't feel like i can trust that anybody knows what's going on cuz it really feels like every week they're just kind of punting this cordelia thing i don't know what that is no it's terrible not to mention the fact that this is a horrible thing for the powers to be to do to her yeah mm-hmm. you know i mean she has borne the weight of those visions she has fought like a champion she has you know done all of this sacrifice to help people and and this is how they treat her. Like, this is yeah. what they're willing to do to her, to, you know, send her back and wipe her memory. Like, sending someone as an adult it's to cruel. Earth with no memory. Yeah, it's incredibly cruel. Right. And, and yeah, and so it makes no sense. And it's also a horrible way to treat someone. And it, especially somebody that you've given, like you know horrible visions too i mean granted i guess it was doyle technically who gave her the visions but still she had them she carried them for a really long time so here and the thing is it's one of two things either it is the powers that be that swept her up into a cloud 
you know, all those months ago, right? Or it's not the powers that be and the powers that be decided, eh, she's been a loyal soldier, but you know what? We'll just leave her. Yeah. You know, we'll not do anything about it. Right. Right. So, I mean, either way, the powers that be are looking super shady to me at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's not good. Mm -mm. It's not good. Um, But I did have one more question. Now, if Fred can put on green makeup and look like one of the Lornettes, right? Can't Lorne put on a little makeup, you know, over the green to blend in? And I thought about that because I'm like, here he is. He's got the trench coat on. He's got the hat on. But his face is still green. Like, Mm -hmm. he's still Lorne, you know? And I'm like, he can put on makeup, you know? I mean, she put on makeup over her whole body. They can't do his face you know, from like really quickly. Um, so all that seemed like a little bit weird. Yeah. But when you said that, I was like, I would love to have had a Bizarro World episode where we see Lorne as a human. I know. Wouldn't that have been great? That would have been so good. Yeah. That would have been that a would have fun. been wonderful. Yeah. I would have loved that. that and I love really a Bizarro good. World. Yeah. You know how I love a Bizarro World episode. So I think that would have been really fun. Um, all right. So I think that's pretty much it for <laughs> um for the house always wins. And I'm just gonna brood. Right. Um the house always wins, despite being the episode that brings Lauren and Cordy back, is a skipper because we love you. It is because of stuff like this that we designate skippers and watchers to save you all the pain of watching a really bad episode or an episode that just doesn't contribute to anything. So just know that Lauren's back and so is Cordy, but her memory is wiped. This is 45 minutes of your life you will not get back and you are welcome. (laughs) All right. Now it's time to talk about this week's watcher episode, Slouching Toward Bethlehem. In slouching toward Bethlehem, Angel and company try and fail to make Cordelia, newly returned from her stint as a higher being but with a case of powers that be amnesia, feel safe back at the Hyperion. But she doesn't remember who they are or who she is, and the team's ridiculous attempts to hide the supernatural from her makes Cordelia panic and run away. Goons from Wolfram and Hart attack her as she runs outside, but Cordy remembers how to fight, and Angel helps her kick ass. Angel, Fred, and Gunn finally tell Cordelia the truth about who she is, but she still doesn't trust them. She sings for Lauren so he can read her and maybe help get her memory back, but like everything else in this episode, the reading goes to hell and sends Lauren into a state of panic when he sees apocalypse-level horror. One of Lauren's demon clients attacks Cordy, and she's saved by Connor, who just happens to be lurking around the hotel. For some crazy reason, Cordelia trusts Connor immediately and goes back to his place, where they are attacked by a Wolfram and Hart extraction team. Wesley, who'd been eavesdropping on Lila's call, warns Angel about this attack, and Angel, Fred, and Gunn show up in time to help Connor and Cordelia fight off the bad guys. Cordelia's safe for now, but she wants to stay with Connor. Angel, Fred, and Gunn go back to the Hyperion only to discover that Lila played them. The attack at Connors was a distraction from her real target. And while Angel and company were gone, Wolfram and Hart attacked Lorne and used a brain-sucking demon to extract his reading of Cordelia. No one knows what the hell is going on, but hell seems to be coming to L.A. To quote the book of story revelations, and I looked and behold a pale plot and the name that sat on it was Angel Season 4 and all manner of shenanigans followed with it. (laughs) 
Slouching Toward Bethlehem aired on October 27th, 2002. It was directed by Skip Skolnick and written by Jeffrey Bell and Dr. Jones on the perfect <laughs> happiness scale with stake. This is zero. Lost your soul at six. What happens with uh, Slouching Toward Bethlehem? So I think the house always wins, like sucked my generosity the way that it was right. stealing people's <laughs> destiny because I gave this a one. Um, Ugh, and I man. gave it the one because of Wesley and Lila. They get a point. But yeah. I'd like to see the rest of this episode swallowed whole by the great beast that is called Dragon. Seriously, I gave it a one, too. It's just terrible. Um, all of the stuff with Cordy, everybody lying to Cordy, Cordy going to stay with Connor, Connor's being Connorness. I mean, all of it. It's just friggin' bad. And uh, Lila and Wesley are the reason it gets a one. I love all the Lila and Wesley stuff, but, uh, but it, the rest of it is just not good. No, it's really not. Um, so I mm-hmm. try to channel that spirit of generosity for moments of perfect happiness. Yeah. And I found a few with intertextual mm-hmm. references um, yes. because I don't love this episode, but I do love the title from the, uh-huh. the poem, The Second Coming by William Butler Yeats for the line, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Because mm-hmm. that's the best description I can think of for season four. Right. And, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> and I like some of the callbacks to Buffy. So when Cordelia is mm-hmm. going through her Sunnydale yearbook, you know, and seeing things like homeroom was fun, too bad it burned down. And how about that giant snake? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> and I like Lorne, you know, after he read Cordelia saying, I haven't read the book of Revelations lately, but if I was searching for adjectives, I'd probably start there. Yeah. So no. like that, I found some amusement in that but mostly it was lila and wesley um because yeah i really do love them together and mm-hmm. as the longer that we see them together the more we see there is tenderness between them you know even when they're using each other in their own way and there yeah. there mm-hmm. is honesty of a certain kind yeah. between them yeah even when mm-hmm. they don't trust each other and they're fighting for right. opposite sides but yeah. I liked, you know, Lila told Wesley, hey, Wolfram and Hart know about us and Angel knows about us. Like she's mm-hmm. she's telling him the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And even after Wesley realized that she set him up, he went to her house to talk to her about it. Yeah. You know, there wasn't this like brooding, silent or we're done storm. It was just like, hey, you did this thing and we should probably talk about it. Um, right but I love her response to that though where she goes if I thought you'd ever trust me I would have never played you like that and I was like oh my god like what that says about Lila Mm -hmm. that it's it's knowing that he doesn't trust her that makes her do that stuff and if she thought for a minute that he trusted her and it would really hurt him she says she wouldn't do it right And and I believe her I do too and she said she left Lauren alive for him yes she's like because he's one of your friends yeah i could have had his head in a jar but i left him alive for you but my favorite part of them was the bet so (laughs) they had this bet running you know and Mm lila's like you owe me a dollar you call this a relationship you lost the best you said it first (laughs) and she makes wesley (laughs) sign that dollar and i love that with my whole heart I want that dollar. <laughs> Somebody somewhere has the dollar that was signed by Wesley Wyndham Price, and I want it. I want it bad. <laughs> we'll see if we can get Someone you a signed has it dollar in their for basement. Christmas. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, it was so good. And and I like when you know Team Angels. They're all yeah. panicked. You know, somebody has to know where Cordelia is, and Wesley steps in and says, "I do." And I'm like, "Oh my god, oh, hello god. again, Wesley. Yes, we're so glad you're here." <laughs> 
please come Yay. save this episode. Um, I know. I love that that he shows up. Like this is the thing. Like he loves them. Yeah. He'll be there. Mm-hmm. You know, if they really need him, he'll be there. And God, I just I love it. I know. I do too. And and while I hate Cordelia's amnesia more than I can ever begin to express, mm-hmm. um, her box of keepsakes and kind of the way she was trying to figure out who she is. Yeah. Spoke to me because I keep photos in your books and ticket stubs, you know, and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. And it could be an interesting thought experiment. So if yeah. if you woke up with no memory. What would you tell yourself about yourself based on the things you kept? <laughs> I don't know that I'd have anything. Right? It would be interesting. I keep nothing. I keep nothing. Yeah. Until you open yeah. your Dropbox and you'd be like, oh, look at all my folders. I know. No, I do. I keep I keep files. <laughs> I keep electronic files. So there is that. I have basically everything between my email. Yeah. You, know, you just go through your email, email and you're like, oh, okay. okay. I, get it. I know. Yeah. I know my whole life now. <laughs> right. But, you know, and and. When she's looking, you know, she's like looking through all the pictures of her with different hairstyles and wondering, mm-hmm. was I a spy? And then she finds that picture with Connor and she's like, am yeah. I a mom? And it was so sad. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But that also adds to the ick factor yeah. of her with Connor, you know, later. Oh, so much. Like, uh, so much. Uh, I don't yeah. know. And and I did laugh when she said, was I a nun? And she put this huge handful of crosses right crosses. on Angel's. <laughs> She's like, I have all these crosses. Why do I have all these crosses? Oh, my God. Um, but, you know, and it the, the team trying to keep the truth from her was so ridiculous. But Oh, God. I know. You know, and Angel's like, well, we thought the truth would scare you. And Cordelia's like, yeah, and the lying and the deceit have been so comforting. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it, I did like that she called that out. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. um, and when she called Wolfram and Hart an evil ninja law firm, I want right. to see that on their letterhead. Yes, absolutely. That was good. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. But then stretching my generosity as far as it will go, I hated mm-hmm. Connor less in this episode than I usually do. Okay. Because yeah. he's trying mm-hmm. to help people. And he, you yes. know, he protected. He's bad at it. He's bad I mean, at he's, it. He's okay at killing the vampires, but he's really bad at not scaring the shit out of oh people. Oh, my God. He's trying to help. <laughs> when he goes to the kid, he's like, I like your hat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dear <laughs> God. God. I know. He's like. You're in trouble. And they're like, oh, no, we're fine. Thank you. Please go away. Yeah. <laughs> Connor, bedside manner, baby. Like, no. Yes, seriously. Um, and I think maybe we're supposed to feel bad for him because the family is still afraid of him after he helps them. Right. But, oh, mm-hmm. my God. He's so creepy. You know? Yeah. yeah. However, as much as I dislike him, when mm-hmm. Cordelia asked him a question, he tells her the truth. Yes, you know, he, does. he doesn't try mm-hmm. to cover or hedge or protect her or lie about who he is. He just tells her straight, like, I sunk yeah. Angel to the bottom of the ocean. I tried to kill mm-hmm. you, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> She's sorry about sorry that. Sorry about that. You know, <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. You know, it was a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but it also bothers me because, like, when they first go to wherever it is that he's staying, the only thing. What is that I, like, place? Is it a museum storage facility? It's- I a bunch I, of a taxidermist I, old uh, shop like what is that it's weird but he's showing her this huge bear that looks really scary and he's yeah. like i love that one i wish i had killed it and she's like right. oh and then she just followed like yeah this is the guy that that i trust that i want to hang out with uh-huh. right now but what yeah. bothers me about it i appreciate his honesty with her mm-hmm. but it's it seems to be court putting cordy in this role of Oh, no, you're really sweet. You're not the bad guy that you think you are. 
Right. And I hate mm-hmm. that more than I can even begin yeah. to express. Yeah. Um, but maybe meeting Connor without his history makes it possible to like him. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the fact that he tells her the truth, like, I get that. Yeah. But the whole thing is is weird. We'll, we'll stay yeah, that we'll a little bit. That. It'll be fine. Um, and yeah. he is mm-hmm. kind to Courtney, you know, and, and she's trying mm-hmm. to find some details about herself. And he says, yeah. you like shoes and donuts and you're very brave. And, you yeah, know, I liked that. those are good yeah. things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only other thing that I liked was at the end when Angel is standing in Cordelia's empty room. You know, he's yeah. so sad. And it reminded yeah. me of him standing in Connor's empty room when the baby mm-hmm. was stolen from him. Yeah. And so that pulled on my heartstrings a little bit, but trying as hard as I could, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a couple of intertextual things because there were a couple of Buffy call outs mm-hmm. in here that I kind of liked. Um, we have Cordy, of course, singing The Greatest Love of All, yeah. which is what she sings in the puppet show during the um, the talent show for, for at the end of season one, you know, in Buffy. Um, so there's that. And that was kind of fun. Um, and then there's that moment where she says, don't make me turn you into a rat when she's talking about her powers, <laughs> you know, and that's something else from Buffy, too, because, of course, we had Amy who got turned into a rat for a number of years over on Buffy. <laughs> um, so that was that was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to have that. But, um, well, and but Gun, aside from that. Gunn is yeah. scared of rats. So yeah. maybe that was something she subconsciously remembered about him. But yeah, I don't know. I guess. I don't know, I don't man. Know. Um, so we'll state Cordelia's amnesia. Oh, yeah. Because no, we can do that. I, I, I hate this so much. And oh, plus, God. like, what is even the point? Okay. All mm-hmm. she did as a higher being was watch things happen. Yeah. She had visions as a human where she watched right. things happen. It's not like she's going to give away industry secrets if they send her back to Earth, you know, with like her powers that be memories. Right. And, and even, mm-hmm. I mean, Angel spent a hundred years in a hell dimension and it that didn't erase his memory. Yeah. So mm-hmm. why should a few months up in the clouds, like it, it just makes no damn no. sense. No, it's all it's all really just poorly done. And because of the way that they're doing this, we don't trust them that eventually it's going to make sense. Yeah. You know, so you just left here and you're like, what? Right. And and everyone was being so ridiculous. Like, I know maybe they haven't dealt specifically with amnesia, but this team knows trauma. And when you take a step towards someone who's afraid and they step Mm -hmm. backwards, you don't keep approaching that person when they're obviously afraid and they do that to Cordy over and over again Mm -hmm. you know and then they they act crazy to try to hide the demoness of everything right and Mm -hmm. angel's hiding from her when he's hiding the blood bottles for the fridge and she can obviously hear him right y'all are scaring this girl to death it's so incredibly stupid. And then it's all this like, you know, amnesia shenanigans and she doesn't remember. And then she finds the blood and then she hides behind the thing. And all of their dialogue between Fred and Gunn when they come back is about killing the babies. But of course they were demon babies and she doesn't know that except that it's purple blood on the yeah. thing. So obviously something's not quite right. I mean, all of it is just ridiculous. And Fred and Gunn have to learn how to like make sure nobody's listening when they talk. Oh, no. These two never learn that lesson. They <laughs> they never learn that someone can overhear mm-hmm. you, especially if that person is vampire. But, yeah. but they just, nobody is like checking to see where Cordy is or is she right. wandering through this giant hotel alone? Like, mm-hmm. and, and on top of that, Lorne, who I'm sorry, I have a higher set of expectations for, chooses yeah. this moment to bring in a client who's addicted to eating people. Yeah. When Cordelia, Gunn, and Fred are right there in the hotel. 
Right. You can't go what? to where that guy the is. Actual like, hell. Yeah. No. It's so incredible. And that guy was so gross. Oh, he gross. was so gross. And it was so stupid. And it had nothing to do with like the rest of the episode. You know, it's just it's all of this stuff where they're like, oh, wouldn't it be funny because she doesn't remember anything. And I'm like, yeah, I get you have a premise. Yeah. You know, but like this isn't this isn't what this story is. And it doesn't make any sense at all. And them all lying to her trying to protect her. Yeah. It's just really, really dumb. It's so you know, dumb. I mean, you very quietly and calmly sit her down and have a discussion. But she is also part demon. Right. Like that is something eventually she's going to glow. And then, you know, I mean, you you can't just keep that from her. I mean, you can't lie. And they were actively lying to her. It wasn't like they took a little time and then sat down with her and very slowly had a conversation where they they just let her live there. And, you know, in this environment where there are going to be demons, there's going to be stuff happening like that's setting her up. And it's just terrible. It's just terrible. You know, and I actually hated the almost kiss thing with her and Angel. Oh, yeah. and was I a nun? Like, I hated that whole thing. Yeah. It was just so, it was so contrived and so weird and like. It was so bad. I don't know. And, and, and it yeah. felt like they're also, you know, when they're like forcing this storyline, it's like they're also forcing this new perspective of Connor. Mm-hmm. Or like, because Angel has now seen him save a family, Angel's convinced he's good. And yeah. Wesley, you know, when Wesley shows up and Angel says, well, Cordelia's with Connor, she's fine. And right. Wesley questions that because Wesley still has his sanity. And yes. Angel's like, mm-hmm. Connor's my son. I'm sure he's taking excellent care of her. Okay, first of all, that sounded gross. Yes. Second of all, like... Since when does Angel trust Connor with anything? Like, does everyone have amnesia? It was. Does he not? Yeah, exactly. Does he not remember that this is the kid that dropped you in the bottom of the ocean, lied to your friends all summer? You know, I mean, he's not exactly trustworthy at this point. And you don't know. I mean, he's been watching him. And yeah, he's like protecting people and fighting demons but that doesn't make him good no it's it's you know? just so weird and and then yeah. like the whole cordelia and connor thing gets its own little section here because first of all connor just happens to sneak into the hyperion in time yeah. to see corny's return like what the hell and yeah. angel doesn't know that connor has been in the hotel like mm-hmm. angel's super senses are inconveniently hot wired for this episode or something yeah. um because Angel's super hearing doesn't even kick in until after mm-hmm. Lorne's demon client, you know, attacks Cordelia. Right. But then Connor saves her, so she trusts him immediately, even though Angel helped her fight the Wolfram and Hart guys, and she still doesn't trust him. And, uh, it, like, what? And then she's terrified of vamp face Angel and Lorne, which I understand, because, you know, mm-hmm. hey, demons. Um, right. But she found that picture of baby Connor as an infant mm-hmm. and the picture is yes. dated from eight months ago yes and then yes. she's like oh your name is connor angel's son is named connor oh my god you're angel's son okay that's how cold. would she ever be able to come she doesn't remember anything right. that happened how would she ever be able to come to that conclusion yeah and and so she just figures it out and she's fine with it but when angel yeah. and team told her everything they didn't tell her about connor even though what? she specifically asked about the baby in the yes. picture yes like, no, it's all unbelievable. I mean, I guess, I guess 
maybe that's why she said, oh, you're the baby. Maybe they did tell her and that's how she put it together. But none of it really makes any sense at all. And I'm sorry, but this whole thing with Connor is gross and Oedipal and gross. I mean, there's that moment where they're in the bed together and she wakes up and he's got his hand on her breast. I mean, no. What are you thinking? What are the writers thinking? That is gross. Oh, it's so gross. And and, and then she's, you know, confiding in Connor. She's like, I have this horrible feeling that something bad is going to happen. And I'm like, yes, honey, it's called the entire season four storyline. Exactly. Like, something bad, something is, about bad is about to happen. And it's going to keep happening yeah. for many, many, many episodes. But yeah, yeah the, the, no. the Connor Cordy thing is just gross. It's just gross. It's terrible. It's so bad. And there was this one interaction, too, with Gunn. Mm-hmm. That I just absolutely hated um, when she's like, are you Russian and I'm a spy? And then Gunn's like, do I look Russian to you? And she goes, black Russian. Ugh. And I'm like, what the hell is that stupidity? Yeah. Like, she, I hated that. She remembers that's not drinks funny. and can make a little racist joke and it's fine, but she doesn't remember exactly. anything else about. Yeah, it was. Exactly. It was terrible. I just, ugh, um, I hated that. Okay, so. But moving into research mode, this research mm-hmm. question bothered me so much that I almost staked it. Okay. So Wolfram and Hart, you know, was really after Lorne's reading of Courtney. Mm-hmm. They sent that demon to burrow into his brain, which, first of all, damn, like that's low even for Wolfram and Hart. Um, right. And now nobody, you know, knows more about Cordy's gloom and doom thing than Wolfram and Hart. But right. how did Lila know that Cordelia sang for Lorne? Like, how would she possibly have known that? Right. Like, that's a hell of an assumption to make that on your... If she's got psychics watching them, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I'm like, because we know the Hyperion's not bugged anymore. Right. So does Wolfram and Hart have full access to everything that happens at the hotel? Like, how did she know that? Right. And the thing is, is that that makes them overpowered if they know everything. If they've got psychics who know everything. Right. Then that overpowers like it. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And if they have that much power, why would they need to burrow into Lauren's brain? Exactly. So exactly. It's just a huge dropped like, yes, her double crossing Wesley and playing them like, okay, that was smart. But how did she freaking know about that in the first place? Like, you know, that Mm -hmm. part, it just drove me crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then like Lauren's Lauren as a person after he reads Cordelia. Like, that was yeah. the most freaked out we have ever seen Lorne. You know, yeah. I don't know that we ever see what he saw. Yeah. But after being used the way he was used and forced to read people in Vegas and then being so terrified by Cordelia's reading and then being attacked and traumatized by Wolfram and Hart, I think Lorne might have hit level done. Like, I'm right. done. I'm done with all of this. Like, it might be too much for him now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm really worried about Lorne. Mm-hmm. And then I had my good old trusty vampire invitation requirement question. Right. Because Angel barges into Connor's place uh-huh. without an invitation. And is that because Connor isn't legally renting? I guess when when Connor was squatting with that girl and then she died. I mean, it was her place and she died and it wasn't his place. I guess that's how Angel could get in there, too. But, yeah, it, it does seem that we like to waive those requirements whenever it's handy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 not good. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the things, though, that weirded me out is that, OK, so Connor comes to get 
Cordelia, right? He's okay. First of all, Connor's been breaking into the Hyperion and kind of spying and looking around, it seems, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then Connor, you know, rescues Cordelia from the human eating demon and then they run off. Um, Angel can smell Connor when it's convenient to the plot. Right. When it's not convenient to the plot, he runs out after them and can't smell them, even though they just left. Yeah. Like, and he can't smell that Connor's been there. He can't smell where Cordelia went. Um, all of that is crazy. Of course he can. He's always able to do that. Yeah. Is, does he have a cold? <laughs> I mean, you know, you travel, you go to Vegas, you come back, your allergies kick in. I guess in. he picked things up. I mean, he was he was on those slot machines for a while. And God knows that's a haven of germs and nonsense, right? So I'm guessing he had a cold. But it's just, it's so, it's so weird. Yeah, it's just so weird. So yeah. on that note, I'm going to breed. Okay. Slouching toward Bethlehem as a watcher because you need to know that Cordy's back and has amnesia, that Lauren read her and saw threat level apocalypse horror, that Wolfram and Hart stole that reading from Lauren's brain, and that Cordy is staying with Connor. But we're sorry. We're so, so sorry <laughs> that this episode is required reading. Some Angel episodes are wonderful and some are watchers, but not all watchers are wonderful. Just like not all squirrels are fuzzy. <laughs> right? So... <laughs> It's a logic thing. Um, all right. So, Kelly, what is making you thirsty this oh, week? Oh, dark Wesley phone sex. I oh, mean, yeah. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> when he's like, he's like, pretend you dropped your pencil. And I was like, hot damn, Wesley. It's like, those are my favorite pair. Take them off. Exactly. <laughs> damn, Wes. <laughs> All right, what's your favorite part? Oh, Lila and Wesley's bet over who would say relationship first and Wesley signing oh. that dollar for her when he lost. I know. I want that dollar. I'll have to find it for you. I don't know where it is. I think somebody's <laughs> probably got it framed on a wall somewhere who's in the cast, but I want it. I want it. Anyway. <laughs> My favorite part is is that moment with Lila. Mm-hmm. If I thought you'd ever trust me, I would never have played you like that. Like the growing affection between her and Wesley. And the fact that they genuinely seem to like and enjoy each other, you know, even though they're on kind of like opposite sides of the good, bad thing. Like, (laughs) I like it. I think it's kind of sweet. It's great. All right. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Dinerich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. Still dead and everything Chipperish Media produces is made free and ad free by the generous patrons who support us to the tune of a dollar a month or more and make it possible for us to keep our evil ninja law firm on retainer. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review or telling your friends about the show or singing Lady Marmalade to Lauren. You know, whatever. <laughs> we will be back next time with Season 4, Episodes 5 and 6, Supersymmetry, which is a watcher, and Spin the Bottle, which is a skipper. Until then, there's no rest for the wicked. 